morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Justin Flint. I'm the chair of the New Zealand Tech Marketers Group. And today I am super excited uh, to welcome uh, Brooke Roberts, who's the CEO of Sharesies. I expect many of us are customers, users, investors in Sharesies. Uh, and uh, thanks to Ming and uh, and Tom and our Wellington crew for organizing uh, this for our webinar today. So um, we're going to go through, I've got some really good questions around kind of hearing a little bit about your background, Brooke, and how Shazies uh, got started. And then we really came to dig deeper into uh, some of the brand story and some of the marketing strategy and some of the insights that you can share um, with everyone along the way. Um, we'll pause momentarily throughout um, if people have any kind of key questions. If you do, you're welcome to uh, to drop them in the chat, please, um, rather than, say, putting up, putting up a hand. Um, but if you drop them in the chat, I'll be able to ask um, Brooke, and if we've got a little bit of time, um, at the end, we can we can have a little more open forum. So, uh, for those of you who have never been to an NZ um, Tech Marketers Group event, um, we're a national community for tech marketers, uh, marketers working for SaaS or technology companies, or marketers working in highly technical marketing roles. So it might be CRM or automation, or any kind of digital marketing role. So we've been around six or seven years now, and uh, we we have uh, over 250 uh, members, uh, a fantastic executive leadership team, and uh, we run a whole series of uh, in-person, face-to-face events around Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, Hamilton, Queenstown, uh, and our annual conference, uh, which we had uh, last month um, as well. Um, so you can also access mentoring and our Emerging Leaders Program, uh, which uh, Corin Cryer is, is running. So um, jump onto the website and please join if you haven't already. Uh, Brooke, it's awesome to have you here. Thank you for spending uh, some of your day with us. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your background, your story. Did you always know that you'd be running uh, running a company was that kind of always your dream um I did I did get into that when I was actually at high school um but I I wanted to be a fashion designer for a while and I thought that was the path I was going to go down and I started entering awards in high school and going along to them and then seeing these other incredible fashion designers and I was like okay they're really good maybe I should maybe what I could do is help them commercialize their designs like they were they were really good but they hadn't thought about like how to sell it or um you know like increase production and I was like oh maybe I could do that so I thought I'd go into fashion business and I'd, I'd do that side um and so when I was at school I did run some businesses I, I talked to my business studies teacher I was like hey I've got this idea and she's like oh there is this thing called young enterprise we haven't done it here for a few years but if you want to do that we could give that a crack and so uh, for two years, I ran two businesses at Young Enterprise and loved it. I learned heaps. Honestly, some of the things I learned in that I still reflect on in like business today. It's kind of shaped how I think about a lot of things. Um, and I, uh, and then I was like, oh, do I go to university or not? And I wasn't going to. I'd been offered a job actually as an accountant, and they were going to pay for me to start to study, and then I, you know, get full time salary. And it was what I was nearly about to do, but last minute I was like, no, I I do want to go. Um, come here to Pornicky, come here to Wellington and study. And so I picked up. I was studying marketing and international business, and then I, um, in my third year, felt like I needed something um, more like with some. I really found out I like numbers essentially and um, picked up finance too. I actually found out I like numbers um, through this 300 level marketing class we had where we had 300 of us in the room. We had a guest lecturer who came in, wish I knew their name for the detail of it, but um, they said, put your hand up if you like num uh, if you like numbers. And out of a marketing room of like, you know, 300 students, only three of us put our hand up and I was like, okay, I should do something about this. So yeah. Have very happy I picked up finance kind of makes sense where I am today but I never thought I could pull them together I never thought 
I, you know, like marketing and finance, there would be a, a job or career that combined both of them. And that was really um, solidified in a lot of the lecturers thinking I had at that time. I remember I um, had to go to one of my finance lecturers uh, offices to go get my results that he had marked midterm. And he's like, why are you studying marketing? All you're going to do, all you're going to learn is how to stock shelves. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, this guy has no idea about the real world and like how things actually work. Um, it, you know, very theoretical. And um, and I was like even more proud that I was studying this. So I ended up doing honors in marketing and masters in finance. And I was like, oh, I want a career and maybe somewhere in this. And it wasn't until I um, heard a banking CEO talk who, um, who had a marketing background, who was in banking. <laughs> at, at, this is at Kiwi Bank at the time. And I was like, oh, you can combine them. You know, I'd, I'd heard pretty much, oh, if you're going to be a CEO, it's pretty much, you know, the CFO kind of track. Um, and, and that was very much that way that long ago now, I guess. And so anywho, I ended up in banking. I worked at Kiwi Bank, had a great time in product management. And it was like the perfect hybrid for me. I was like, there was hedging, I was pricing, term deposits, savings accounts, transactional accounts, going to these weekly pricing meetings about how what we're doing is impacting in the, what's happening in the economy and what changes we're going to make. So I loved all of that. And then also deep diving into the behavioral economics or behavioral finance side of um, how can we help people um, have better habits with money? What are things that we can find in the data? And then what are like innovative solutions that we can do to be able to create better better savers or whatever we're looking at and so had that ability to figure out how we market the products and how we um make sure we're creating things that really have an awesome need for people and did a lot of customer research and so it was like a real happy place I found like yeah I could bring them together and um and then yeah use those strengths throughout my career I um, then ended up at zero I really wanted to learn like how a company from Aotearoa scales globally and how an international business worked. I obviously was interested in that from um, studying it too. And yeah, got to be part of their, um, the ecosystem marketing global area there too. So doing global marketing, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then um, on the side throughout my entire time studying and working in these companies, I was tutoring with business ideas on the side. And um, ultimately the idea for Sharesies came about from one of our other co-founders, Sonia, and then all of a sudden there's six of us rallied around this hectic problem of, you know, how do we, how do we create more wealth equity in Aotearoa and, and beyond? And it's what we solve today. There's a, uh, there's a really interesting point that you made there about your time um, with Kiwi Bank around the customer psychology and understanding some of those deep problems and, um, and I, I've always wondered, should I go back and do and do psych? Because as a marketer, understanding um, people is such an important part. It's, and it sounds like that was a really key ingredient to shaping your thinking around, you know, the the Shearsies proposition as well was really understanding um, some of the problems that people were having and 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 how those dynamics work. Yeah, when we started Shearsies. We weren't like, here's Shazies, here's the prototype, um, ta-da, you know, it was actually, hey, we think uh, people in Aotearoa deserve a better way to develop wealth and deserve more access to it, but do they want that? Um, and so we spent six months just doing pure customer research, like ethnographic research, we would talk with somebody and they'd open up so not like, um, be so vulnerable about the experiences with money and how that what they felt about money and how it worked in their life and if they had ever thought about investing or if they were an investor and their, where did their KiwiSaver fit into that and all of these like rich conversations we had with hundreds of people ended up forming like a lot like really concisely the problem statement you started to see the repetition of oh people feel priced out like you can't be an investor because you need tens of thousands or they feel mm -hmm. jargon out, which is still a problem today like financial jargon's just hectic and doesn't need to be there or ultimately what we called left or branded out like they, it just didn't feel like it was for them um the whole industry is like very it was very blue at the time and very opaque feeling and so that's a bit about why our branding is kind of the way it is too so with that customer research, like you were you were at zero, how did you transition? I mean, there were six of you that kind of um, 
uh, coalesced around this idea. You said you had a lot of customer research and, and kind of figuring out. How did you manage that shift from, from working full-time and then Jenison into, in, into the company? There was, after ha having all those conversations, the risk of not doing it felt greater than doing it because um, it felt like, oh, we've really got to, like, this is what, that, it's important. I'm by the, you know, like, how do we solve this? That it felt, there's also a bit of safety there too, because there was this um, FinTech accelerator that was about to kick off. So we entered the idea into that. Um, and that was really great because that gave us a, a spot to go to and a, and a time to start. And so, and the companies that we worked at, um, three of us went full-time into that accelerator. And it was pretty incredible that the companies we worked at at that time gave us extended leave to do that. So we also, like, if it didn't work out within the three months, we couldn't build sharesies. Um, we actually did have roles to go back to, which was incredibly um, kind of those companies, essentially, and just shows, yeah, how great they were. Wow. Uh, when did you, when did Shazie's launch? I should know this, but uh, yeah, no. So it's our sixth birthday this week. That's right. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, so we, we, we've got a few dates, right. That, and we decided to land on that. The date that we call our birthday is the date that like we got out of that gestation period and we got our first beta customer, which was uh, May 29th, um, 2017. So six years on. <laughs> Congratulations and happy birthday, Shazie's. Um, no doubt there have been some significant and daunting challenges along the way. Are there a couple that, you know, are kind of highlights that, well, highlights or lowlights, ones that have, um, you know, that you'll that you'll never forget that that you've had to overcome and, and tell us a couple of them perhaps. I'm, I'm sure there's a whole webinar full of war stories, but... I mean, what's a marketing nightmare? So we'll start with that one, um, which is also hilarious in retrospect. So we, it's it's early, yeah, it's early in June, about this time. Um, it, oh, maybe it was a bit later. Uh, around this time anyway, six years ago, uh, we were interviewed for TV, on TV One News, which was super exciting, right? Like that's um, when you're building something that's quite mainstream and being able to have that kind of access was going to be, is incredible. So we're really excited to be interviewed about Sharesies and what we're up to. And we did the interview and it, um, and then, you know, all of the founders were at our houses and we're sitting down watching it uh, with our computers up with Intercom, which is a place where, you know, if customers are in, in tracking, you know, customers coming through the funnel and uh, if I've got any questions, we're there to respond um, because at 6.15, the segment went live with, you know, all sharesies and people started flooding to our website, which is great. And they started signing up. And then er, in the sign-up process, one of the um, companies that we use to verify people's information because we have to, you know, for AML, we need to capture the identity, um, had decided to have a blackout period right at that time. So couldn't literally sign up. So thankfully in our sign-up flow, we had got people's email addresses so we knew how to connect with people, but nobody could get through to Sharesies. You couldn't complete sign up because we didn't have your ID. And it was just like, what? You know, like the prime time and yeah, we couldn't. But oh, it was really, but what was great about it, and I think that I, why I reflect on that moment so fondly, is that that was a really test of the founding group at that time. You know, how are we going to respond? Or are we going to, you know, are you going to place blame on how do the people that deal with this partner not know or whatever? And um and really, we were just all laughing. Like, it was just so funny in a way because just how ridiculous that was. And then the people that are signing up because we're responding to them and being like, oh, hey, sorry, and sending out emails, that is like, they're laughing back and they're just like, oh, my gosh, Murphy's Law, you know, we'll give it another crack, don't you worry. Um, and, you know, we're quite scared about something like that. You know, we didn't want anything like that to happen when you're trying to, you're dealing with people's money and you need to build trust and credibility. And so having a outage like that really isn't the best way to start um but I feel like we've overcome that uh but yeah that's 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 one challenging moment that I kind of ref reflect on for <laughs> yeah <me. laughs> uh sometimes as a as a tech marketer you you know stuff's always broken right and you, you you're trying your best to piece together a uh you know a stack that that works seamlessly and then out of your control something goes down but um yeah you've got to it is it is the test, isn't it, in terms of how you respond to that, I think it's really, like you said, it's really important. 
Um, anything else? One more? All right, so next, my next question yeah. then would be... No, 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 be, I do. I was like yeah. just going through the Rolodex of problems, <laughs> essentially. One I think is quite, um, yeah, one I think, and I was just thinking like what one's relatable in particular from a marketing sense. One I found really interesting um, on reflection and I hated at the time is we had to actually close some people's accounts due to AML. And the risk wasn't that people were laundering. There's actually no laundering risk, but there was a risk associated with an interpretation of the regulation. And we decided that uh, it was in the best move for Sharesies to, to offboard some customers. Um, and that's really hard <laughs> when you're, it's totally against everything that you, um, you know, like you've naturally built up, but also, you know, being compliant and, and being seen to be compliant is really really important too so it was something we had to do and then it's like how do you the the balance of like the the cost and care in that situation you know like when you're offboarding customers there's already costs associated with that with obviously onboarding people is you know attracting and there's so you're off offboarding um when when people are leaving like there's costs associated but also um when you know, a lot of these customers that we did were thankfully like really un unengaged anyway. So that was okay. And kind of a business metric perspective. But I also was like, these are humans that have really tried to sign up to Sheezy's. And it's just like a technicality that we don't have one piece of information that we should have captured or whatever it might've been. Um, and that was really difficult to go. How do we make sure we show the right amount of care, even though like the cost equation is really not there. Um, but it feels right and it's the right thing to do and right from a values perspective. So, you know, with these customers, we emailed, we called, we like tracked them down as much as possible to try help them get that last information in before we needed to afford them. And I think I was really um, impressed by how the team rallied around that. They really showed the Sheezy's values and leaned into that, even though like the cost benefit equation really wasn't there. Um, mm. That's another random example. Interesting. Both of those examples brock really give insight into the company culture uh and how many how many people in the business now um there's just over 150 so in six years you've gone from from six to 150 which creates an awful lot of challenges around you know building culture and building the values that you have in the business and and living those values every day, so you don't lose that as you as you grow um, headcount. What are the some of the things that you've that you've the team has been able to do to um, to build that culture? Uh, I think when one of the most important meetings I think we had at Shazies was when we sat down and uh, with the founder sat down really early on. Um, within the first week of being in that accelerator and uh, talked through when you were creating more than a product or, you know, like an app in somebody's hands, there's a whole business behind it. Um, and we, we sat down and talked about what is the type of business that we wanted to create? Uh, what are things that we never want to see happen in, uh, you know, in the places in our workplace, what are things we really want to change? What are, um, what are attitudes we want to bring um, and see with amongst each other? And we bullet, pointed down all of the conversation that each of us had and the and the um insights we got from those questions and that ultimately themed up to our values it became really clear like oh as a founding group we really care about it having an in it together culture not a individualist individualistic culture knowing you know I get to be here and talk to you all today because of all the hard mahi that everybody is doing behind the scenes that shares these um and then like a, and another key value that came out of this conversation was always care making sure we could care for ourselves because that was something that was quite interesting as we're going into a startup and we you know one of us um one of the founders is just about to have a baby others you know I was about to become hubbard didn't know it at this time but um and I think that being able to care for yourself knowing it's a like a ultra ultra marathon I guess and being able to care for each other and ultimately too and caring for our investors our customers and making sure that they that that just that there's always care put in there and probably shows in those examples I mentioned before mm. And then chase remarkable, um, chase remarkable, meaning like to, to be remarkable, it's always a chase. Like you're always, it's, you know, the chase is kind of the affirmative word there, but it's about, um, yeah, putting that cherry on 
top, like uh, going above and beyond, taking calculated bold risks and um, yeah, just doing something that people actually find remarkable that they remark essentially. Uh, and those are those, those are the values that, um, that live, we live and breathe today. And it's incredible how they've evolved over time as we've grown. Um, and also, yeah, and that is essentially a good summary of what our culture's like. Have you had a, have, have you, have you taken a bold risk that's fallen flat? Yep. Uh, yep. So we probably in our launch into Australia. So we, um, as 2019, 2020, it's bad timing. <laughs> like on reflection, didn't know a pandemic was about to come. <laughs> it, was, it was 2020 and um, we, we, we were really confident from the research we've done that um, we should go into Australia like big bang. Um, that was our approach, which is so funny looking back on it. But anyway, um, and I'll tell you why. But we decided that, yep, cool, this research is, is showing us that and the competitor landscape wasn't completely there. It was just starting. So it felt like, hey, if we go in there quite strong, we could really capture this market in a, in a mass market way. Um, so we hired an agency. We did like the most uh, like hectic PVC we'd ever done. Um, and yeah, and went about it all wrong. Um, now, you know, that that's just definitely not the way to enter a market in my perspective. And I think we knew that, like there was this weird tension at the time. We just felt like we kind of were a bit guided by um, or swept up in the moment, I think, or, or, um, or really felt like we had something. But what we know and what we what we know well and what we did really well here in Aotearoa, I think, is just focus on building a community and like and over time just watching that scale and building something like the most lovable product that then people refer to their friends and it gets this natural kind of word of mouth and 25% of our growth in Aotearoa when we started was all word of mouth and referrals. So we're a little bit hamstrung in Australia there. It's, it's a little bit different to be able to refer there, which um, also makes it a bit more difficult for us to be able to get catch that kind of growth. Um, but yeah, we spent money, we did some TVCs, we launched you know around a pandemic great timing and um yeah and I think you know what we're doing now we're getting incredible results by connecting with the community building products that customers love having a beta you know, everything we did here at the start so um yeah that's just one so that, you know building that brand equity is a, is a really core part of of the marketing strategy I think and we can we'll dig a little bit um you know, deeper into this over the next half an hour. Um, first of all, I want to know who's the target audience. So, how, how did you decide who the target audience was be, or have they decided who the like? Had, did you have a really clear um, customer persona or set of personas, or has it that really evolved organically through yeah over time? Over time? Yeah, we're like a antithesis of marketing in this regard, I think. Um, our whole purpose is to give financial power, uh, to create financial power for everyone. So like in our tira, we want to be able to speak to everyone, whether you've got $5 to 5 million, whatever age, gender, like we want to be, make sure that we're building something that is, it feels, it, anybody can feel like they belong and feel included in this world that so many people have felt excluded from. So that's really important to us. I think we learned early on that those three barriers I mentioned um, were massive in people's minds that we needed to make sure people, we built a product and then made sure people really understood literally there is no minimum like to invest in, you can invest however much do you want, when you want, or, you know, um, we just used everyday language and built a, a brand presence that felt inclusive and fun and um and like that you belong and that was really important so we didn't be like our target market is this, this age group they shop here they do that we, we never did we didn't do that um we just really wanted to make sure we could anyone could feel like they were included mm -hmm. in Australia I would say the approach is similar 
uh, but a little bit different. Um, and it's mostly because of some of the relationships we've built there. Here we've, you know, a lot of our growth has come from us um, getting out there and um, press and the referrals, like I said. In Australia, it's quite a big dis- uh, and kind of crowded market, but also um, there's, you know, kind of bigger pools in some way um and we we've this and there's also been a groundswell since we started shizzies um and in particular in australia of podcasts and communities that are that are around investing and finance and things like that so we've uh a lot of our um a lot of our work there is really connecting and being you know and supporting those communities so working with she's on the money or millennial and um uh, my millennial money or equity mates and and building through um through supporting those communities a lot and working with them so it's been a little bit different in that regard but um uh, but yeah I'd say there's still not like that clear defined um one single view of a customer now we're probably we're now that we've got enough information enough data enough kind of like understanding of different habits we can start pulling together segments based on like behavioral we could uh, uh yeah people's behavior essentially and going cool well if people behave like this and they want to how do, what are we what are the what are the features that we offer to support them what are the ways that are best to communicate to them and so we're starting to build out a bit more of a um refine, ref, refined approach like that i'd say It's interesting then, the challenges between these, you know new, the different markets or the different countries you're in because everyone's got different financial regulations and and things like that. Um, you know that certainly adds complexity because there isn't you know every market's going to be very very unique, isn't it? Um, uh, so now you, you you're kind of evolving. The company's maturing. You're six years old. Can you? Can you share any insight into kind of the key pillars of your marketing strategy and that that go to market um, that you have it that you're working on now? Um, key pillars of our marketing strategy go to market. Like, so a lot of what we're so the position we're in at the moment is um, this this year and literally in the last couple of months we've we've added a few new areas that we saw that people could really have better access to wealth opportunities so one is save. we've launched a um, shazzy save um, and what we've done there is made sure that people get a great rate and be, and have the um, flexibility to access that when they need it rather than it kind of being locked up mm. and another one is KiwiSaver and we've innovated in that space so what's really interesting from us at the moment here in Aotearoa in particular in terms of a marketing opportunity is engaging the people that are already engaged with Sharesies and making sure they're aware of these opportunities and how it works and how it interacts with their whole kind of wealth picture. Um, so that's, that's a vertical. Point. That's vertical. So well, horizontal um, product development, right? So you started off with the investment. You've gone to the savings account, which is great. I love that. And then the the um, uh, the Kiwi Saver as well. So you're starting to own more uh, of that. Um, their portfolio if you like yeah and then so and then from an external perspective it's making it's making sure that we're like evolving in people's minds and that kind of repositioning of you know we are where we can be with your kiwi say all your you know an empowering money app essentially or empowering wealth app for all of your kind of wealth needs with saving Mm. and investing and kiwi saver and helping people develop that over time so yeah what is it you kind of touched on this a a bit earlier on right it's you know you're managing and dealing with people's money. Mm. How, you know, as a new kid on the block, this really, um, you know, uh, very different brand to what people have experienced before in the world of of, of finance and, and managing their money. Can you give it, like, how have you, how, how have you intentionally built trust what are some of the things you've you, you've done to really build and develop that that trust factor with customers yeah I think one being here in Aotearoa in Australia the we're in a highly regulated industry which is really crucial because you know at the end of the day it is people's money and I think people knowing 
that is really helpful. Seeing how we work within that environment, being able to answer any of those questions is crucial too. Uh, but also like getting to know the humans behind Chessies is one. I remember one uh, one thing that definitely helped us in the early days too was one of New Zealand's most loved and trusted brands is Trade Me and Trade Me bought a portion of Chessies. And I think part, just moments like that over time and, and that helped solidify, I think, for some people, that credibility. Um, and then, yeah, we've got a range of shareholders and like um, Naitahu now too. And I think, you know, that, you know, Naitahu in particular too and on is really good investors. And so if they're picking us, you know, that they've, um, that there's some work there. So I, it's something that we've built over time for sure. Um, and I think in those early days, people would test the platform, right? Like, I'll oh, put a bit of money in and take it out. How did that work? Oh, that worked, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, and then over time, it's it's built. It's definitely a, a, a time thing. <clears throat> so you mentioned about building community and that being, you know, deeply centered into um, building trust and referrals and growth. Uh, you've got a podcast. Um, I know I see... Uh, uh, weekly interviews with CEOs of listed companies and and things like that. So, what role has um, social media played in your marketing strategy? And alongside that, really, is that community development strategy? Yeah, uh, it's been a um, a big part of a way that we can engage with people. I think what you mentioned there was. Um, something that's really important to us and it's part of that, you know, demis uh, breaking down that jargon or getting rid of it is a lot of the educational work we do, if not all of it actually, is free and accessible to anybody, whether you're using the Shezies platform or not. And that's really important because we do really want to make sure that people are more financially Nothing part. gated. Yeah, exactly. And no. the the reason why we started Shared Lunch, which you talked about, of like interviewing CEOs and and economists and experts is because as we as we've dived into this world of um the finance industry we've learned so many and seen so many more doors that people are locked out of and one was oh um these big institution investors they get to go and meet with the ceos and go to the boardrooms and have conversations how do we unlock that how do we make sure like retail investors or anybody can get those insights to help them make informed decisions when it comes to investing or you know, how they're building their portfolio. And so that was a really key part of why we decided to start um, Shared Lunch. And so, and you know, there's always doors like that that we start to uncover like, oh, people um, aren't getting access to be able to be part of these capital raises that companies are doing. How do we get in there? Or uh, actually these employees, uh, how can we help more employers offer shares to their team given that you know and, and sharing that wealth creation and so these are things that we do now and we just keep you know if we see a door that's shut to retail investors or to you know everyday people will try get in there and open it you know <laughs> and so, uh, so is there an ESOP program is there an ESOP program, program that that's being yep. developed now yeah so for uh for now yeah if a company is um listed we yeah we work with um companies to provide their uh team with access to shares yeah which is pretty oh, awesome that's really interesting um but back to that role of social media yeah i think yeah it is a really important place to build community and and build brand and build um yeah that personality and show it coming to life in every day behind the scenes whether it be in the you know in the office or what we're thinking to um being responsive to people when they do have questions or um or even concerns you know and just making sure that they know that there's a channel there for that and mm. we built a um there's a share club in Facebook which we built and um, I'd say a lot of we're starting to build a lot more community now on Instagram and TikTok um, yeah uh, okay LinkedIn, actually was as we move a bit more into that business to business business space I think LinkedIn starts to grow too yeah absolutely I think uh, uh, I think even for B2C brands LinkedIn is an underutilized uh, platform. Um, uh, is your social management, social media management, and your community is that all in house? Is that is there agency relationships at play to do some of that? No. So you've deliberately decided to 
build capability internally to be able to manage all of that? Yep. We use like Sprout Social, but that's about it. I think yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's an, that, that, yeah, it needs to feel authentic and real and from us. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, so let's go the other way then and, you know, think about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the moment when, you know, you're kind of building organically through social, through digital. And what was the point where you kind of go, we need to go bigger. We need to be starting to use more mainstream media. We need to be using TV, radio, print. How have you kind of built out that tra more traditional? You've talked a lot about PR, um, which has been really, really important. But I'm, I'm interested in kind of that, that marketing strategy for more traditional above the line. Yeah, I think it's more natural for us to be um, digital first. I think our head of marketing, Rachel, um, was saying that to me the other day too. And like, um, but we know that like a strong offline presence is really important for that brand legitimacy and that trust. So we spend about 35 to 50% of campaign budgets on awareness building. Um, and that is largely offline, like you're saying, TV, billboards, audio. Um, when we chose to do that, uh, I'm trying to, Remember our first billboard, billboard campaign um, or poster campaign, actually, Grow Your Go, must have been 2019. Um, and it was just so exciting to see Shazies on the streets, you know, <laughs> like out of this digital sphere. But I think it, it is really, it was an important part to start building that mainstream um, at, and that recognition and those data points that are just not seen behind a screen. Um and bring Shazies to life a bit more. And yeah, then we decided to run TVCs, must be around, around 2019, around that time. Um, and that was, this is when, the, and we really didn't start to invest in anything like that until we knew we had product market fit, essentially. So when we started Shazies, we put no marketing money behind it um, because we wanted to know, we didn't, we wanted to know that we'd built something that was selling itself. It wasn't us, our marketing dollars that were kind of bringing things in, but then, you know, people not really engaging um mm. so once we'd start to go oh, okay there's traction here there's a bit of a groundswell these referrals are happening people are finding us we're getting PR um this is our opportunity you know and we've got the thing humming now in, in a spot that we can start growing more um then that's when those kind of uh off uh, offline media started to mm. play, yeah. how do you how how are you measuring success? How do you know when mar when when marketing is doing well? Um, we're using TrackSuit now, which is quite helpful um, mm -hmm. in a bunch of ways in terms of understanding your awareness and consideration and how that's going, but also kind of testing phrases. And it's quite important as we start looking at, you know, making sure that our brand is evolving and what we, you know, what people know us for is evolving. And that's a, a kind of good way to test that. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's kind of in-app, you know, metrics around, you know, yeah. new, new user growth and... So that's top uh, of the funnel kind of stuff, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, once you're in, yeah, like that conversion rate is important. And, you know, like, it, you know, when people come in, are, are they yeah, seeing that they want to become an investor? And then once they're an investor, are they actually, you know, and they sign up, are they becoming one? You know, are they um, depositing money and saving it or investing it and and feeling confident enough to make those decisions and then tracking mm. how they're going over time yeah. yeah um okay if anybody has any questions for brock please drop them in the um in the chat um uh i'm gonna yeah so okay so what's how does how does product and marketing work together do <laughs> i'm assuming they work well together how how do how do they how have you built that relationship and and collaboration between marketing and products so that you're yeah yeah um i'm gonna go way back uh and then and then because i think that helps shape the learnings that we've um that i've noticed anyway that we've implemented in sharesy so i've been a product marketer before and um, but uh, reporting into a marketing team, and my view, it doesn't really work. Um, 
if it's if it's if you're not into like integrated together i think it's really difficult it becomes kind of this waterfall you don't you, you don't have all the shared context you have to work really hard on it um and it just gets a bit i think it gets a bit tricky um so uh what we've what we do now is that we have um uh, like there's invest and save and there's australia and there's um uh kiwi saver and there's um company partnerships in their areas and then we've got a marketing lead and product lead that report into them and it's and I've just noticed we implemented this kind of structure at the start of the year and I've just noticed so such great ways of um it's like context sharing and then the ability to problem solve together and just work in harmony as peers and I think that is the best way for product and marketing to work together from my experience so far right and this is just my view um and what I've witnessed I'm not saying it's the view um but it's working really really well and I think you know you need to be hand in hand and you need to be um you need to you know sometimes be in the same rooms and having those really good conversations about what's parts of the product that really need to be um communicated better how are we going to communicate that oh I've noticed this what do you think people are saying you know they'd like this feature how are we going to build that in oh, you know and it's just like this beautiful harmony and such important parts of the business um and you're just you're in the shared language, which is really exciting. Then the challenge of that is when you step back into the the broader marketing team is like, great. So we've got these really good insights. How do we make sure that it creates a cohesive story and a cohesive experience for um, our investors? And that's something that our um, we've we've combined design and marketing. So that's that that's the the key part of that team is like great we've got these really good insights and we've got these ways that we want to market and how do we pull that all together so that it makes a cohesive experience um uh you know for users so i don't know if that completely answers your question but oh, that's really roles, they need to be hand, they need to work as peers yeah yeah uh what's your tech stack what's the marketing tech stack um so we use braze for yes, uh, marketing automation Yep, marketing automation. Um, what else? Um, we do a lot of things in house at the moment. We've got really good, like um, we use Dashford uh, data insights, and so we've got uh, awesome marketing analysts that helps build dashboards and things like that. So we've got real time information, or as close to real time information that our team can track. We use Tracksuit, like I said. Um, CRM. Yeah. Adam. CRM. No, uh, well, we built it ourselves. It's yeah. our own, yeah, admins, yeah. 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 Uh, okay, we've got some interesting questions coming through. Um, our website, and then our website's bespoke, but use Contentful to help. Um, oh, okay, nice, nice. Um, uh, question from Brian. There's a perception amongst financial advisors that shares is not for serious or real investors. How are you managing that? Is that, yeah? How I guess how do you how do you how do you think about how are you managing that? Is that something? I mean, I guess right. financial I, advisors I, are kind of always might always have a little bit of a no to it. Yeah, but. it it kind of plays into that elitism in this industry. Uh, you know, where it's like, um, you know, try and create different classes of investors or whatever. But you know, we've got people on our platform with, you know zero dollars to millions and millions of dollars and it's it, it's a place where anybody can um, invest what they want I think there are differing incentives in this industry and I think there's the the, the one element that we haven't done as much to date which uh, if I was if I was speaking more rationally I guess about that um, perspective is we haven't really been onboarding trusts and companies but that's something that we've started to do because a lot of people who have um, more wealth will typically have it in a trust or a company um, but we are starting to now look at onboarding them um, we are so that's something that I guess might help um, financial advisors see oh yep they have a bit more of the things that we need to be able yeah. to get to give advice but there's like it's, it's a mix it's like um, a bit of that industry at play but also yeah a bit of um, maybe facts today uh Great question from Sophie. I would love to know what you love listening to and reading to stay inspired and educated in all things marketing. Where do you go for your marketing inspiration? 
who do you is there a um I get it in in different ways I honestly to our team like I think it's really um it's an interesting part of uh growing a company as a founder you know where uh Sonia Layden and I had all marketing backgrounds and we you know kind of gave it a go at things and you hire people that are way smarter and better at things than you and you're like wow that's cool and so my team's been they've been wanting me to obviously do some some more um stories and, and behind the scene perspectives or sharing insights for TikTok and Instagram and they're just continually living me up or sending me things that they think are good and so that's one way honestly the team share a lot of um their thoughts with me that are really inspiring um I I like like reading The Economist and also the newspaper like I think actually when I look at so like one little ritual I like is if I can get a spare 20 minutes in the day I I don't drink coffee but I'll, I'll have a cup of tea and I'll sit down at a cafe and read the newspaper and um God, I sound so weird I'm <laughs> not weird I just sound I don't know um yeah, it's a luxury if I get to do that. So I get really stoked when I get to do that. And I did get to do that this morning, which was nice. And I read, and then when I look at the newspaper, like dots come, like things fly into my mind. Like, oh, that's interesting data point. What's Cheesy's perspective on that? Oh, there's actually probably a story there. So mm. I, I find like I can get inspired in, in different ways like that um, in terms of that thought leadership uh, views that Cheesy's can bring, a uh, view that Cheesy's can bring. Uh, I really like this email I get from James Clear uh, it's this weekly email you get, which uh, you can sign up. It's free, and um, and it gives you quotes to ponder for the week. You get it. We get it on a Friday morning. They send it Thursday US time, and I really like to mull and think about some of those quotes that come through that and the the kind of questions that that brings up in my mind. So I, I just get inspired all around me. I I don't have probably like a really great mm-hmm. go to, but there's some yeah uh awesome i love it um so so what's next i mean you've you're six years old uh you've started entering and and growing into australia you've got 150 people you're starting to build out that horizontal product um product suite um what's the ambition from here um there's so much. Honestly, it's it sounds like over the six years, or every day feels like day one. Like it, the problem feels even more com- prevalent, and uh, that we or, and the opportunity also does too. And so, you know, any ways that we can be supporting more people in Aotearoa and Australia to have financial empowerment is like what we're gun for. So at the moment, we see that a massive opportunity in particular with KiwiSaver. When we first did research with Sharesies. Uh, it was really interesting to see how many people didn't feel like an investor, but they had KiwiSaver and KiwiSaver is where the majority of their wealth is and didn't know where it was. Uh, some thought it was a, a, in a savings, a savings account at KiwiBank. You know, there's just really low awareness and confidence with KiwiSaver and ultimately also low control of where people think that money is going or, or, or where it is going. And I think that's really crucial because that money is funding our like personal futures, but also like Aotearoa's future. Like it's, it's wherever our money goes in KiwiSaver, we're investing in companies or funds that are shaping the future um, and whether it's going offshore or onshore. So I'm anyway, you can hear I'm very passionate about that. So there's a lot to solve there, I think. And, um, and that's something that I, I think you'll see us dive more and more into and supporting people, building that confidence and control and, and really understanding of where the greatest amount of a lot of their wealth is, which is in KiwiSaver. Mm. Yeah. How do you how do you manage how do you share the responsibilities between your three EOs? How do you manage your day? Yeah. Your, um, stay sane. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what is how we stay sane. We get share the load. You know. <laughs> um, this is it's it's so nice. I I, I have been the sole CEO before. Uh, and I, it's really, it, it's, it's really awesome being in part of this 3 model because you do get to move faster and you do get to share the load. And I guess, um, 
yeah and you have a shared consciousness on things like when you're making decisions and uh so yeah no it works really well one of um the three years Sonia's on um parental leave at the moment so it's Layden and I and while she's on parental leave she's still directing which is great so the, the way that it's split up or the way that we've split the role has just really uh, changed throughout time. Uh, and it used to be a bit more based on our natural strengths and now it's based a bit more on um, us being, yeah, really taking a holistic view and diving into the, yeah, divvying things up as we see best and just making sure that we're supporting Shazzy's, um growth and, and future aspirations as best as we can. Is it playing to each of your strengths or is there sometimes roles teams that you're managing that you're leaning or you're maybe a little bit outside your comfort zone or you know that more of a challenge yeah I think it used to be like naturally divided by the areas that we're naturally kind of carved um in shazies and now it's not now it's more about um yeah just being a bit more of a holistic kind of CEO in that regard yeah um we've got lots of amazing marketers uh on this call from around New Zealand. Um some of us have been marketers for 20 years, some of us are in our first or second job. Um what's some advice that you'd like to share with our tech marketing community? Um, one trap I notice people get into is that they their customer becomes the internal customer. It's very easy to do. Like it's very easy to accidentally fall into that trap where you're like, oh, um, I can uh, help solve that for them or do this thing. And, and then you're in this internal dialogue all the time. And I think, um, and I'm not saying that people on this call are doing that, but it's something sometimes just check your balance on. And I've had to do this throughout and just say, actually, where's my, the best place for me to be as a, um, yeah, in marketing at any time is like making sure I'm bringing those insights in from uh, really talking to people and talking to those customers. And I think it's something you hear all the time. And you're like, yes, yes, yes. But like, how are you building a practice of making sure that you're communicating with your end users or the end customers um, at least um, weekly if not daily you know how are you bringing that in because those insights create such richness um, for how you speak you know you interact with others in the in in the company in terms of what you're hearing and understanding but also making sure you're building that real strong connection and that um, yeah those lovable experiences for people so um, it's telling you something you know but I think it's always really good to have that reminder because about about June mid-year things can get a little bit out of balance you know it starts to get wintry and you know like um yeah it's it's that external perspective is important absolutely uh Brooke thank you very much for spending a, an, an hour with us and and sharing your stories and and insights into the um, you know, your journey, but the journey with with Shares as well, um, you know, on behalf of NZ, you know, Tech Marketers Group, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And thank you to uh, all of you who have joined in today. Um, hope you have a fantastic long weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you.